Well, we're continuing today to look at the home. We've been talking about the purpose of the home, and today we're looking at the husband. What role does he play in fulfilling the purpose of the home? Now, I I think a lot of men, we like a target. You know, we like to know what we're aiming at, what, what we're shooting at, what we're, what we're trying to get at. And so that leads to the question of, well, what's the picture of the husband? Where, what am I trying to hit as I be God's man in the house? Now, I'm not suggesting that we look to the TV for that answer, but a lot of us guys are pretty familiar with our way around that box. Uh, we've invested a good bit in that. And, uh, you know, TV is an interesting thing. Sometimes I wonder, is TV leading us where we're going? Or or is TV just showing us where we are? And and when you look to TV, when you look to TV shows, you can absolutely see the de-evolution of the man in the home. A lot of you that go back a ways in TV will, will remember these pictures and understand this, but when, when I think of, of some of those early pictures of a man in the home, I, I think of uh, Ward Cleaver and, and Jim Anderson. You know, Leave It to Beaver and Father Knows Best. And these shows and shows like them, they, they constantly sh- show, whether it was true or not, that they showed the man was the steady hand in the home. The, the man gave, the, gave wisdom, he gave direction, he was a, a source of strength, clearly the provider, the protector. He was the, the center of the well-being of the home. Now, I didn't, I didn't put a picture up there for the 70s, but I thought afterwards, I, who was the 70s dad? Maybe Tom Boswell in Happy Days? And, and I think he was a lot like these two dads. But where we begin to see, I think, a little bit of change is when we come into the 80s. Remember, probably the dad of the 80s was Bill Cosby, or as, as he was known in that show, Bill Huxtable. Now, what he shows us in a, in a husband and a father is in some ways extremely positive. He was a dad who was there. Uh, I, I think when I remember back to those TV shows, and I, I was a Cosby fan, I, I think I watched all of those probably three or four times. You know, it seemed like he always had, or rather I should say his wife always had, or his children always had, their dad's ear. His life was centered around the home. But where you see a little bit of a shift in the 80s is while Bill Cosby was a, presented as a wonderful husband and father, he was not the leader of the home. Claire Huxtable was the leader of the home. It was always her role in that show. You would hear her being the one telling either Bill or the kids the way it was going to be. And so there's a little bit of a shift there. Now, as we move into the 90s, this is when the wheels come off. Okay, I mean, it's no holds barred now. Uh, I probably should have put Homer up there. I've hated that show since I first saw the commercial. Uh, To be honest, I've never watched a single minute of The Simpsons. Uh, So I didn't put his picture up there, but uh, I think as what, they just celebrated 20 years, this cartoon on the on the TV, and and another one equally as wonderful as Homer is Al Bundy uh, of Married with Children. I mean, (laughs) you know, this is the epitome of a jerk, isn't it? I I mean, this this is how a man's presented in the home so often, especially during the 90s, and you, you think of those shows. He's there, but he's absent. He's there, but he's utterly insensitive. He's there, but completely self absorbed. Now, I think that's where a presentation of the dads 
kind of ended. Because now, as we come into the next generation, the 2000s, I kind of think of dads in, in two ways. One, I, I think of maybe like Lizzie McGuire's dad, uh, Sam McGuire. Remember that show? That's when my little girls were smaller. I know it's on into Hannah Montana now and, and whoever else. But, uh, you know, dads now are, are decoration. I mean, you know, you really don't need them in the home. It just, it's just a decoration. kind of makes the home look good. And as a matter of fact, if you watch a lot of TV shows today, Dad's kind of a bumbling idiot. And, and to talk about a complete flip-flop from the 50s and 60s where Dad was the steady hand of guidance, quite often in today's shows, it's the kids who are helping Dad figure things out. It's kids that are helping dad sort through life and kind of get back on top. Or, and there's another great commercial, and I I trust that I will be able to not spend a single second watching this show, but uh, Modern Family, where I think dad looks to be the driver of an absolutely complete mess of a home. Uh, He is the driver of dysfunctionality. And that's kind of where we are. Now, guys, I'm not saying we're turning on the TV saying, okay, I need to watch this so I know how to be a dad. But you know what? It does kind of raise the question, where are we getting our target? Where are we getting our picture of what a man is in the home? Now, we're in church. So I, well, I know where the pastor is going. We've we got to we gotta look to Scripture. We've got to look at the pictures of dad in the Bible. Folks, you're going to be surprised... But if you open up the Bible, it's not much more encouraging than, you ready for this? The TV. The Bible has very few positive pictures of a man in the home. I mean, there is picture after picture after picture of a disaster. Jacob, Eli, Samuel, David. All of these homes show a father who is disengaged with his sons. Who's not disciplining and caring for his sons. And the result is a host of family problems. David! King David! I mean, got to make the top three in heroes of the Bible. Folks, David was an utter failure in his home. I I could take you to very few passages that showed you anything he even did neutrally. In the home. He did not care for his family. Family was played against each other. He, what you see in David is mostly indecisiveness and uncertainty. And his family is a disaster. Abraham and Isaac, two other great you know, patriarchs of, 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 the Judea, the, of Judaism, and both of them asked their wives to lie for them put their wives in a compromising position to protect their own skin. Isaac and Rebekah had two twin boys. Dad liked one, the mom liked one, and they deceived each other, they played the kids against each other, and and it was a disaster in the home. Jacob had twelve sons, played favoritism, caused huge problems in the home. It's amazing, I'm, I'm going to Scripture, okay, show me the great picture of a dad. You know, folks, I've always said truly one of the great proofs that this book was written by God and not by men is because if men were making up a religion, we'd cover all that stuff up I just said. You know, we, we, we're going to protect our heroes 
We're, we're going to present our heroes in a positive light. We're going to clean them up, make them look good. Because, you know, I'm, I'm promoting a religion. I, I want you all to buy into this religion and follow this religion. But what book wasn't written by men. They penned God's words. And God kind of had a we're going to show warts and all mentality. He showed the whole thing. He showed the reality of what is. But you know what? That doesn't negate the idea. God, I still need a picture. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I still need to know what I'm supposed to be aiming at. And God gives you and me a picture. And it is uh, not very encouraging. It, it is quite a challenging picture. What's my target? I've shown you this before. What's my target as a husband? Folks, this is the picture that God gives. That is what it looks like to be a husband. When God says, here's your role as a husband, as a dad, here's what you're aiming at. And he points to that. Now, media, leave that picture up while we read the passage where God says, do that. I know some of you are out there thinking, no, really, he didn't. He didn't point to that. Let's look and see. Turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some on the, the chairs in front of you. hope you can reach it or have somebody hand it to you so we can study this together. Ephesians, kind of right in the middle of your New Testament. Got, uh, what, Galatians and Corinthians before it. Philippians, Colossians after it. That's kind of its neighborhood. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as, here's the picture, just as also Christ loved the church. That's the epitome of how and where Christ loved the church. So just like that, husbands, love your wives. How, Lord? Just like that. Just as also Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. To make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the Word. He did this to present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Now, as we've said these last two or three weeks, the purpose of the family is to communicate God. Well, husbands, if you're the head of the home, if you're the head of your wife, then that makes you the preeminent carrier of the purpose. Your purpose as a husband, your purpose, your role in the home is to show that family God. Well, well, what about God? In particular, His servant leadership. Men, your role in the home is to be a loving leader. A loving leader. Now, let's think about that word leadership just for a second. Because, men, we have tended to do in a wrong way, one of two things with leadership. Uh, one thing we've done with leadership is, is we go MIA. We go missing in action. We abdicate leadership. We, we just lay it down. We're not going to do it. 
And usually the wife is way ready to pick it up and run with it. And, and we're just happy to step back and, and let her. Why do we do that? A lot of different reasons. Uh, don't know how. Insecure. Lazy. I think a big one, a big reason we don't pick up leadership in the home is didn't even know. Didn't know this was expected of me. Didn't know this is what God wanted of me. I have, uh, I have married over 120 couples in my ministry. And I, I can tell more times than I can count when, when doing premarital counseling, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting there and we're talking and, and we're going over the roles. I don't know how many times I've had the, the, the fiancé, the man, say to me, you know, well, I, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in all that submission stuff, and I've got to be the, the leader of the home. And he's saying this clearly anticipating that, that I might just stand up and start applauding him. You are oh, so awesome. Well, you know, what an enlightened man you are. So he's usually pretty you know, excited when he gets just a tad less than an applaud from me. You know, usually what I say is, you know, that's not a good thing you say. What you just said is, I'm choosing to absolutely reject the role that God has for me in the home. I clearly am not going to have anything to do with what God wants me to do in the home. Folks, that's not something to be applauded. I mean, if we are going to communicate God in our family, our role is to lead. Now, here's why men today expect to be applauded if they don't lead the home. It's because of the other thing that men have done with leadership in the home. And that is, we pick up the mantle of leadership. We believe that God has ordained us to always be right. God has ordained us to be better than everybody else in the home. So therefore, I can use my leadership to bully, to dominate, and to get my way. Because after all, that's what God in His economy wants. He wants me to have my way at everything in the home. You know, we never scratch our heads and say, wonder why God would want me to be right all the time. That's kind of how we act, though. We've given submission a bad name. We've given leadership a bad name. Jesus addresses this, by the way, not, not specifically to husbands, just leaders in general. In Matthew 20, 25, he clearly says, if you're using leadership to serve yourself, if you're using leadership to build the environment you want for yourself, that's not God's leadership. God didn't give you that leadership. Satan, probably, but not God. When God gives leadership, it is to serve and bless and build and initiate in others' lives. We use leadership. God has given us leadership to serve the family. Remember the picture? It's a servant leadership picture that God has given us. I remember one time, uh, Karen and I have a, a couple we're real close to from a, a, another church, our, our ministry before this, and uh, they were getting married. It was right before they got married, and, and we were, the, the, the to-be husband and I, were skiing together. And, and we were going up on a chairlift uh, when he asked this big question. He said... How am I supposed to lead her? I mean, seriously, how am I supposed to lead her? Now, the reason he was saying that is because his to-be wife was a spiritual powerhouse. 
I mean, she was incredible. She had great Bible knowledge, was a good Bible teacher. She was a, a soul winner, very committed in her faith, very devoted in her faith. Now, there was absolutely nothing wrong with him. He, he absolutely, in his own right, was, was mature in the faith, was growing in his walk with God. There was nothing negative about his own personal relationship with Christ. He just looked at her and said, how do I get out in front of that? Now, you know, however we see ourselves on the spectrum, I think that's probably where a lot of husbands are. You know, we look at her wife and she seems to pray better than we do and, and, and she does a better job of kind of rallying the family and, and getting us moving on Sunday morning and, and she just seems more natural. She seems better. And so it's kind of easy on the one hand to lay back and on the other hand think she's just, she's just better at it. Now, he's understanding that God says you are to be the leader of the home, and yet he's looking at his wife or his to-be wife way out in front. How, how do I do that? And I said, you know what? It's, really, it's pretty simple. You do it because that's what's commanded of you. Leadership is not a statement by God that you are better than her, that you are smarter than her, that you're more spiritually mature than her, then you'll do a better job than her. It has nothing to do with saying anything like that. Leadership is your role, it's the function you play that will best communicate God in the home. That will best enable this relationship to achieve intimacy and oneness. Wives, when you take on the mantle God has given you of submission, you're not saying, I'll do this because He's better than me. I'll do this because He's smarter or stronger. That, that has nothing to do with it. That's the role you pick up to communicate God in the home. That's the role you pick up so that this couple, this marriage, best achieves oneness and intimacy. And guys, our job should be to again give God's way, submission, a good name. How do we do that? Well, I want to look at this passage. And I want to give three points. Now, for a lot of you, this will be new. But, but for some of you that have been around here a while, I should be about three seconds into this before you say, I think I've, I think I've heard this before. That's because I've given it before. Now, instead of saying, I've heard this before, because I'm doing this very much on purpose, instead of saying, I've heard this before, what I want you to say is, what's changed since the last time I heard this? I try to read one book on marriage every year just to remind myself. And I've read enough now that very rarely do I read something that I haven't already read, haven't already heard. But just because I've heard it, just because I've read it, unfortunately doesn't mean I've done anything about it. So when we hear these ideas that we know, man, that's the time to be asking, what's changed? What's happened? God gives you and I, men, a very clear picture to aim at. And in this passage, we see three things that Jesus shows us about loving leadership. The first thing He shows us is that loving leadership is sacrificial. It is a sacrifice. That's what we're showing the family about God. We're showing sacrifice. Now, you know, when you think about it, Jesus loved the church. Jesus loved you and me a lot of different ways. He taught. He listened. He showed compassion. He healed. 
I mean, there, when we say Jesus loved you, Jesus loved somebody, he did a lot of things. But God did not point to Jesus' life in general, men. He pointed to Jesus giving himself up. He pointed to Jesus on the cross. Men, that's what your loving leadership in the home is to look like. It is to be a sacrifice. Now, you know, if I'm going to sacrifice for my wife, I'm going to sacrifice to serve and to meet her needs. That kind of implies that I know what her needs are, doesn't it? Yes. Okay, men, then here's the million dollar question. What's your wife's need right now? Now, if you, can, if you say, I don't know, there's a good chance you're not shooting at the target. You, there's no possible way to sacrifice if you don't even know what her need is. And she has them. She has relational needs, physical needs, emotional needs. How are you serving your wife? Can your effort to know, understand, and serve her needs be compared to the effort of Christ on the cross? You say, that's impossible. I wouldn't suggest that answer to the Lord. I wouldn't suggest that answer to your wife. Now, you know, when, when God puts that picture up there of the cross, do you realize the questions that answers for us men? You know, I mean, questions like, well, now, now you know, just, I mean, seriously, because you know what my wife can be like. I mean, how far do I have to go in serving her? Well, as far as the cross. No, I mean, seriously, how, how, much do I, how much do I have to put up with? Well, as much as Jesus put up with on the cross. Okay, but certainly there's a place where I can quit. There's a line where I can say, ah, here, here I can stop. Yeah, when you're on the cross. Now, see, here's the thing. We're not going to go to the cross, are we? I, I can't imagine anybody in this room is actually going to be hung on a cross for their wife, much less even be called on to in any way die for their wife. That, that's not really going to happen. But what God is pointing to here, guys, what he's saying is our effort at serving our wives is a commitment that would carry us all the way to the cross. Now, when I look at Jesus on the cross, I think anything I have to do short of that, I'm coming up pretty far ahead. The cross didn't look pleasant. So if I can serve my wife short of that, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Guys, here's the bottom line. My effort to serve my wife this week, and that begins with knowing her needs, understanding her needs, my effort at fulfilling those needs should be comparable to Christ's effort for me. The for me is very important, guys. We need to personalize that. You're not being called to do this in a vacuum. You're being called to do for your wife what Christ did for you. That's the picture God pointed at as He explained the role of a husband. Second thing, Jesus shows us a loving leadership that bestows value. That bestows value. Now, when you look at, at verses 26 and 27, look down at that. 
And it talks about things that Jesus did for the church. And it talks about cleansing and washing and making holy. I mean, guys, seriously, it's the kind of thing we look at and go, huh? How, how, how am I supposed to do that for my wife? Now, in each one of those words, there's some pretty deep ideas of what Jesus did for us there, of what he accomplished for us. But let me take all those words and sum it up into one simple idea. Jesus made you beautiful. Because you weren't. You were ugly. You were rotting. You were dead in sin. And by His work for you, He made you beautiful. He gave you value before God. Okay, now, that's what Jesus did. So He's saying, husbands, do that. Husbands, do you give your wives value? Do you give her beauty? You know, wait, look at look back at this past week. Did, did the way I talk to my wife, did the way I treat my wife, did the way I serve my wife, did it did it build her up? Did it encourage her? Or did it, like I know I have done, tear her down? Leave her feeling even more needy. And guys, again, I'm looking at my own marriage. I'm looking at my own life. Do you realize God has set a target out here of me sacrificing myself to serve her needs? And yet, quite often, what I end up doing is after relating with me, she's, she's more needy than when we got started. You know, what an abandonment of the picture that God has given us. Third thing we see in this passage is that Jesus shows us a loving leadership that would love her the way he does his own body. Love her like you love yourself. Now that's a, I think that's something we think that's kind of simple to understand. Oh yeah, I got that. And, but then we don't think about it anymore. But that, that actually, that phrase there has a very practical idea of how we live every single day because every single day your wife is going to say to you something about what she needs i would like to do this i would like for us to do this i would like to go here i'd like to do that and we're going to say generally speaking no i don't want to do that i don't want to go there Certainly don't want to go there with them. And we don't have enough money for that. You know what, guys? We tend to dismiss our wife's needs. But now, we've got needs too. You and I, men, we, we have places we want to go, things we want to do, things we want to buy. We have needs today. What this passage is saying is in the same way, with the same intensity, with the same priority that you would serve and take care of yourself. And every one of us does. We live every day of our lives to serve and take care of our needs. In the same way that I would do that for myself, I'm to do that for her. But now here comes the real ripoff. And I did read this and say, God, this is kind of a ripoff. Because you see, I've got to take principle number three, that I serve her needs as if they were my own, and I've got to combine that with principle number one that says I will sacrifice to meet her needs. That means if we're coming up on an evening and both needs can't be met, guess whose needs don't get met? That's what leadership is, men. That leadership that generally we have taken to order our wife around and get what we want for ourselves. Absolutely the complete opposite. 
The leadership God has called us to is a leadership that says, if somebody's needs in this home are going unmet, they're going to be mine. We're going to, with, with the time, with the energy, with the resources, we're going to serve and care for her needs first. <laughs> and that's the part where you go, Lord, that's kind of a ripoff. You know what, though? Here's the strange thing. It just works. It just works every single time. It is your best opportunity to have the marriage that you want, to experience the intimacy and the oneness that you want. It is your best opportunity to show your wife, to show your children, and to show a society what God looks like. You know, I had somebody ask me this week, you know, okay, you're talking about sacrificing this week and next week it's submission. It sounds like both are kind of ending up on the raw end of the deal. It kind of sounds like two sides of the same coin. How's that leadership? Again, folks, think of the picture. Jesus is the picture. Did Jesus absolutely sacrifice himself to serve us? Yes, he did. Did Jesus ever submit to us? No, he didn't. No, we yield to Jesus. We submit to Jesus. And how easy that is because Jesus is leading us in a way that totally serves and cares for our needs. His leadership leads us to a place that is good and right and builds us and cares for us and takes care of us. But we do not, or Jesus does not submit to us, we submit to Him. Jesus leads in this relationship. And what does that leadership look like? It sacrifices It gives value and beauty. It serves the other as if it was themselves. Men, you're called to lead. You're not necessarily called to be better than your wife or smarter than your wife or or, or more spiritual than your wife. But leadership means you take the initiative. You know, there are things in our home Karen does better than me. It would be silly for me to say, now honey, you get behind me and watch me do this. Because I'm better. God made me better. No, she's, she's better at that. But as leader, I take the initiative in creating an environment where she is supported and helped in what she does better than me. That's my leadership. I help provide the platform. I want my wife to be blessed of God because when my wife is blessed of God, I'm blessed of God. Well, my wife can't be blessed of God unless she's obedient. It's true for all of us, isn't it? And God's got this huge command on her life. Submit to your husband. I want to create an environment where it's as easy as possible for her to obey and follow God in that command. That's how I lead her. My kids, if they're going to be blessed, they have to obey and follow that. I want to create an environment where there's understanding and there's a desire to obey and follow that. Guys, that's what leadership looks like. We lead, we take the initiative in creating the environment God has. Not that I have for this home, that God has for this home. Men, whatever you do as a husband this week, God's given you a target. And that target is Jesus Christ. You absolutely can set your sights on nothing else. Let's pray. Father, it is uh, amazing that the picture in Scripture uh, of a biblical husband and and a biblical wife is so mocked in society. 
And Lord, we confess that quite often as believers, it's because they weren't looking at your picture. They were looking at what we did with it. Men have, have not picked up your command or God, we've picked it up and we've bullied with it. God, your word and your way is beautiful. Your word and your way has never failed a single home. God, would you use me as a husband and a father? Would you use my marriage, my home? To make that beautiful to society again. To make that beautiful to my children. Lord, that's a simple thing to pray. Help me to realize when I pray it, it's going to mean there's places I'm going to have to lead out in forgiveness. I'm going to have to lead out in, in reconciling and giving and receiving forgiveness. I'm going to have to lead out in serving her needs. God, I pray that I would be like Jesus in my home. I pray that for myself. I pray that for every home in here. God, I pray this prayer revolutionizes our church and our homes. God, we coming up on a time the next three weeks. We want to really devote ourselves to prayer and home. And I, and I pray that, God, what we're praying is not how somebody will change in our home, but how we'll change. How we'll seek to understand the role and the function you have for us in the home. And we'd have the power and the wisdom and the grace to live that out. God, could something new begin in our homes that changes our society and draws people to Jesus Christ? It's in your name that we ask this. Amen.